Everybody, welcome into A Tribe Called Dad. My name is DJ Hoppe, one of the founders here at A Tribe Called Dad, a place for fathers to be celebrated and for us to share resources and talk about things that we just typically don't get a chance to talk about very often. So um, I'm very excited that you're here. We have a very special season. If you're listening to this episode right now, you are in the middle of this season which is our season of gratitude. We got a chance to curate this season and pull together five different dads, all from diverse backgrounds, to really talk about fatherhood and this concept of gratitude as it relates to fatherhood. And got a chance to get some of their stories and, and find out what makes some of them tick. And all of this is really just about sharing resources and being able to connect dads across the world. So I'm very excited that you are here. I want to tell you a little bit about this episode. I love this episode so much. Um, I loved all of them, but this one is certainly special because Mark de Grand Prix, our guest here, we got a chance to sit down. Um, Mark is the general manager for the New York Red Bulls, the um, soccer team or the football club as uh, it's often referred to overseas and, you know, is a family man. And so he's balancing what you imagine to be this pretty demanding job with being a dad and being a very active dad. And then on top of that, um, his daughter, Julia, uh, has special needs. She is autistic and um, there are some major challenges when it comes to raising Julia and Mark shares about that and shares just about what it's like to be in his shoes and just, oh, I mean, I'm getting chills literally as I'm, as I'm talking about this right now. Uh, there were so many great takeaways from this interview from, from my time with Mark And uh, one of them was embracing our children's uniqueness. And he even shared a story about what it was like watching Julia ride a bike for the first time after attempting this for years, years, you know, trying to learn how to ride a bike and what that was like and how he was able to actually be around and be there um, in part thanks to the global pandemic that we're in and him being able to be home more. So uh, I'm just so... This one really warms my heart in a, in a very special way. Um, I do want to take a moment to just acknowledge every single parent out there who is, who is dealing with a child who has unique special needs. Um, you know, it just makes things so much more challenging. Yet at the same time, I think um, if we can learn anything from this, it's that all of us as parents should really celebrate our children's uniqueness. And Mark says something so profound about not letting a day slip by, like not letting a single day slip by and really celebrating uh, everything that happens within the course of a day, particularly as a parent. So I could go on and on, but uh, I'd rather you listen to this interview of Mark de Grand Prix sitting down with us here at A Tribe Called Dad.
Mark, I'm so glad that you are here, man. I'm excited to have you. I feel like you are such a great dad and and have such a unique story. And so I'm I'm so excited to have you here, man. Um, I just want to jump in real quick and can you let people know um, your your kids, how many kids you have, and their ages? Yeah, no problem. Well, thanks for having me on. Really excited about this conversation. I have two kids. One, uh, Tyler, is 16 years old, turning 17 in a few weeks, so he'll have his license and be driving on his own. <laughs> and our daughter, uh, Julia, just turned 13, and she is uh, she's she's doing awesome. She's a handful, uh, but she's great. So we're we're fortunate. We get the boy and the girl, and that's it. We were able to call it a day. When you uh, when you and your wife got together and there was conversation around kids and whatnot, was that a part of the the vision for you? Was was to have one of each? I think the first thing, like every parent will say, is to a, a healthy child. It's yep. all we want. Yep. But ultimately, right when we had Tyler, it was great. You know, father son, amazing. And I think as my wife built a relationship with him, their relationship is unique mom and son is i mean it's a special relationship and then we had julia and we just decided that we're going to keep it man-to-man defense here one one for one and we'll be able to manage and obviously as you know julia's got some special needs so two was the right number for us uh, to manage this yeah yeah man um and i want to dig into that a little bit too but uh, i'm in the process i am as we're recording this we are on um two months out from me having number three and <laughs> the man to man now we're we're in zone now we're gonna move, be moving to zone here yeah that, that good for you and that's that's zone is more difficult i would say right? I, but good i imagine you. so i imagine so and we'll see we'll see what ends up happening but it was really interesting because for me this i've had two girls now and then this is my son who's who will be born and I'd love to uh, get your take. You you obviously are an athletic guy. You, you're in the world of sports. Yes. When it came to you having your son, how much of the, like your love for sports, how much of that translated in sort of the more traditional like father and son, let's go outside and play catch or let's, you know, go, let's go to the, the court and do this or that. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting question, but it's funny because I've got a, a story. When my first job, I worked at Bauer, which is a hockey uh, equipment manufacturing company. And before I even met my wife and had the thought of having kids, I had skates made for my future son. <laughs> just to tell you where I was, where I'm going with this. So, yes, sports have been a big part of our lives, and we're playing catch and getting involved. And I think we touched on this when we we spoke briefly before. But I think early on, maybe I just pushed him too much in certain sports, right? Mm. Uh, and should have let him find his own way. Um, and that's something that, do I regret it? Yeah, I could have done a better job as a father. There's no doubt early on, I should have let him figure out what he loved on his own mm -hmm. and not push the sports I loved on him, right? But mm. at some point he's big enough to say, dad, I don't like this sport. I don't want to play hockey. I don't want to try it anymore. I'm done. Mm. Which was a, a good lesson for me to let let these kids and my son figure out his own path mm -hmm. and not push him towards what I thought would be the right path for him. Um, right. But it's, it's played a big part in our lives and in our relationship. Uh, and as he's grown up, I think our relationship has evolved from, there's a lot less connection through sports, but more life experiences and just him growing up and becoming a teenager and going through all those challenging years. Right. 
Right. Mm-hmm. With the uh, the teenage years, you're you're a bit into the future for me. I've got um, my oldest is seven, so I've got a little bit of time. But when it comes to those teenage years, what was what was one of the most difficult things in dealing with the, those teenage years for you? I think it's a it's coping with the you know when they're young kids. There's a lot of hugs. There's a lot of I love you, Dad. And as they become teenagers, they still love you as much as they did when they were kids, they just express it differently. And sometimes that expressiveness comes through like not talking much, leaving them alone um, to the point where sometimes, you know, Tyler will tell me, dad, tone down the energy. (laughs) I've got a lot of energy and I I like to get the day going early and just give me a minute to adjust here, wake up. And, um, but that, there's moments where we have that time together where we have real conversations now about, you know, the future and him and growing up and all those things. And and they're a lot more meaningful than they were when he was a child. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest adjustment is really realizing that because they don't talk to you as much, they're quieter does not mean that they still don't respect you and love you. And I think sometimes some parents like kids, we can't talk to them. They're not engaged still loves us as much as he used to and will always. He just expresses it differently now. Mm. That's such an um, that's such an awesome point, man, because I, I do hear that. I hear that from a lot of parents who, you know, are concerned. And, you know, it is that that changes. I mean, much like any relationship changes, right? I mean, you go through these different stages and what was once this is now this. And it doesn't mean that it's gone away. Yeah, I feel like that's a solid point. And, and they want their independence now right they want to have their time alone with their friends where when they're kids you're always there you Mm -hmm. need to facilitate you need to help now you know if he's in his room on the phone with his buddies or downstairs playing video games or going out it's about giving him that room to go spread their wings on their own and learn whatever they need to learn on their own and not it's tough to not be as involved right and i i see it both kim my wife kim and i i struggle with it we're getting better every day. Okay, it's okay. He's got to go. He's on his own. And if you, you know, in a year and a half, if he decides to go to college or go whatever path he takes, he's going to have to figure that out on his own. Mm. And we've got to prepare him to be ready to be able to make the right decision decisions when he's on his own. That's yeah. all we can ask for. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Um, your daughter, Julia, you, you mentioned this just now, and we had a, a little bit of a conversation about it before. Julia um, has some challenges that not all kids have. Um, talk yeah. to us a little bit about that and, and what this process has been like for you. So Julia is on the spectrum, right? And there's when you say on the spectrum, it could mean a million different things. There's so it's a wide. That's why they call it the spectrum. So she's got some clear, I'd say, inter, intellectual development challenges, physical vestibular challenges, uh, low muscle tone inability to figure out where she is in space and all those things. Mm. Um, But that experience with Julia has been, I'd say a godsend for us. It's, it's our gift, right? That Someone gave to us because it's enabled us to, to be more grateful for all the little moments, right? Mm. When some parents will take for granted when their child learns how to bike, when they're two or three years old on two wheels or four, four years old, well, this year, Julia, 12 years old, right, after eight years of trying, figured it out. Oh, um, okay. And, and through COVID, I was home, right? I was home through COVID, and I was able to witness it. And 
I'm getting a little goosebumps now thinking about it, but she, for eight years, she never gave up. Like she, she had the training wheels. She's 12 years old, driving around, riding her bike with training wheels. And then we took him off and we'd hold her and wouldn't work. And she finally figured it out. And for her, talk about it, her sense of independence. She now takes her bike <laughs> by herself and rides around the neighborhood. Right. Yeah. And it's funny because we'll get calls from neighbors. will say, hey, you know, Julia's alone on her bike. And we're like, yeah, it's fine. Mm. She, she knows where she's going and she's coming home. Mm. And uh, it, it's enabled us to really appreciate certain milestones. And we know that there's some we're never going to cross, but that's okay. We've kind of made peace with it. Right. And she is who she is and she's got her own set of gifts and we've got to bring those to light and life for her. Mm. Man, you get me teary-eyed with that story. Oh, so good. I can only imagine, you know? I mean, just the re the resilience and the perseverance on that end. Yeah. What do you feel like is something beyond that? What do you think are, are maybe something else that Julia has taught you um, and your wife through this last 13 years? Yeah, so, so obviously resilience and never giving up. But I think it's being yourself. Julia is unique, right? She's different. She... She comes out and she's Julia. She, she will cut. She doesn't know you. She'd meet you and she'd hug you. How are you? Um, she loves life. She's always happy, smiling, mm. and she will never change the way she behaves because of walking into this environment and feels maybe different or awkward or I shouldn't do this. I should. And she's shown me to just be myself mm. and never waver there. And I think that's the other gift there is she's really appreciates every day. Like every day she gets up and it's like, Ooh, let's go. Wow. Um, and her appreciation for everything that's good. And she doesn't, she sees the good in everyone, which is amazing. You know, she doesn't assume she meets someone. It's, Oh, this could be my friend. This could, like, it's, right. Right. It's amazing. Right. And, and we all know that people unfortunately look at her differently, but she doesn't, she doesn't, you she doesn't hold that against anyone she's just like i am who i am if you don't like me then so be it move on that's amazing um, and it's it's an ability to just realize you know we all have to be ourselves because we all have a unique gift and don't be afraid to share it yeah yeah i was just on a um on a coaching call um this uh right before this and the uh session was talking about uniqueness and celebrating your uniqueness and that just exactly what you said. And I feel like, you know, we live in this world now where it's like everything is is up for uh, scrutiny. And people are so quick, especially even as a parent, specifically as a parent even, right? Like everybody's got their opinion of how you should you should do this. You should do that. This needs, like, yeah. Um, and I think it's just so awesome that you've had this um, this person this this human being and julia to be able to remind you of that on a daily um how has her talk a little bit about her relationship with tyler uh, i think it's a unique relationship because they're they're four years apart almost mm -hmm. so they're um it's he's a big brother he he's there for her he cares for her she calls him her best friend, mm. which is amazing when she says that about her brother. Um, and they can, they feed off each other positively, right? If, if Julia knows she's going to have a bad moment or she's getting anxious, she may turn to Tyler to calm her mm. down. Mm. 
Mm. And he knows exactly what to do, right? Um, he knows how to pull her out of a situation where he knows it's going to go downhill quick. So they're kind of a, they're yin to their yang. I guess mm-hmm. they just know when to, she knows when to lay off of him if she's really starting to annoy him and pepper him with questions. Like she likes to ask a lot, a lot of mm-hmm. questions. She knows when to stop and he knows when to be there for her and also not to be there for her and let, give her her space. Mm. Um, and as I told you, I think he's matured beyond his years. He's, you know, turning 17, but I would, I would dare to say that he's, you know, he's like a young 20 year old right now right. who's navigated a lot of difficult periods in his life. And as I'd say he's selfless because he's put himself aside many times when, she was getting all the attention mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he's managed it pretty well. And that's been a challenge for us is to remind ourselves, Kim and I, as parents, we've got to balance it, right? We can't always Julia and then it's uh, me with Tyler or sport. We've got to give them their own time mm-hmm. with us, right? Mm-hmm. So time with Tyler and myself, myself and Julia, Kim with Ty and vice versa. And then their time, us as a nucleus, obviously, um, but I would say that we are a tight family. Like mm. there's, we're four, we, you know, we're the core four. That's what we call ourselves. Right? We're <laughs> going to get through this, the core four. Yeah, I love um, that. I love that, man. So. Um, you have a pretty demanding job. You have a, a pretty demanding career for, for what it's worth. Um, and um, I feel like you have been able to figure out how to balance it all, how to manage expectations, how to sort of surround yourself with people who, um, you know, are, who understand that you, you prioritize your family. Talk to us a little bit about that process and how you find that balance. It's, I think it's the most difficult part of parenting. Uh, it's finding the right balance for your family. And the one thing that I made clear when I, I, uh, I came back to the Red Bulls and got this job was that my family would be priority and that I had a unique circumstance that everyone has their own issues, but I had a circumstance that I had to manage. And I was able to have the opportunity to always make sure I would be, they would be first. And also the beauty of the job I have is I've been able to use the platforms we have to raise awareness for mm. autism mm. and incorporate into some of the work we do. So it's created a, an amazing balance for me where I know that I'm there for the family always. And I'm using this platform to help drive awareness and hopefully improve the lives of the families who are dealing with this and bring awareness to it. Cause I think sometimes some people are, embarrassed talk about it mm-hmm. or uh even when they're in public you know your child's gonna have a moment it's okay like obviously we, we, we're understanding but a lot of people don't get it and we've got to get to a place where everyone understands that child x may have issues so don't judge when his parents are dealing with him at the restaurant or the mall or the movie wherever it may be right um but it's been obviously managing my schedule where if my kids have something an appointment uh I'm always there with Kim. It's not just Kim's job to manage this. Mm. I have to be an active participant. And that's the commitment I've made to Kim throughout this process is uh, if I have meetings and something happens for Julia, or I, have to be, I cancel everything. And the folks that work to your point understand that and they'll pick up whatever they need to pick up for me, which is, I think I'm fortunate. I have an amazing uh, leadership team that can handle anything and they've proven they can handle it when I'm not around. And there, there were times 
a few years ago when our son had some health issues and I was away from the office for two, two and a half months. Mm. Uh, and I was able to be there because I had a, an owner and a boss who supported that and knew that was important. And I think ultimately you're just more productive at work. If you're, you're able to prioritize your family, then you're way more engaged when mm-hmm. you get to the office mm-hmm. and you're, you're never having to choose, which I think is important for, for, for me personally and professionally that I know that I can be there for family and I'll never have to choose mm. and put my work before my family, which I think that's where, you know, it's unfortunate but a lot of people don't do that. And then it's, you know, they decide to retire and they say, well, cause I want to spend more time with my family. And Too I late. never want to say I'm retiring to right. spend more time with my family. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, man. I feel like these, these are those years, right? Like the, yeah. It's so it's so ironic because I think sometimes we we have it so backwards, you know, when we're yes. thinking about it. It's like, all right, my kids are young. I'm going to grind it out now. I'm going to be working 60-hour weeks, 80-hour weeks, you know, and it's just like you're never going to get that time back. Nope. Um, and you're so right. And, I, and that's where I think there's an imbalance. And maybe this COVID helped yes. rebalance things. Yes. But there's sort of a badge of honor to say, oh, I work 90 hours a week. So what about – what about your family? What yeah. about your kids? You're missing what I think matters most. Um, mm-hmm. And to me, that's critical. And I, as I'd say, you know, too many people have that upside down. And it's, it's sad when I hear a guy, I'm going to retire now to go spend more time with my grandkids. It means you miss your kids, buddy. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's absolutely right. Yeah, and I, I, I've been there, man. I, um, I was you know, drinking that Kool-Aid too for many years and was just like um, wearing that as a badge of honor. Like I slept, I slept two hours and, and worked a 20 hour day. You know what I mean? And it's just like, for what, what are we, yeah. what are we proud about that for? Like, Oh yeah, no, I was there. And then it's with Julia, this, there were some uh, moments where I'm like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Like, why did I let Kim bear all the responsibility of being there for the doc with the doctors, all this stuff. And I'm like, time out. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not who I am. I mean, some people that's how they're tuned fine to to each his own, but I'm just, I want to be part of their lives. I want to be there, you know? But, Um, but I think, I think it's a culture thing, you know, and I I don't even necessarily think it's a, um, I I don't think it's as much of a, of a nature thing. I I almost feel like it's definitely more of like a nurture thing. And and in our culture, we sort of traditionally think of it in that way. You know, dad is the the breadwinner and what makes you a good dad is being able to put food on the table and being a provider financially. Um, And we sort of dismiss the emotional part of it, the being present, the, like all of that stuff that just kind of gets pushed down, you know? Yeah. I agree. And it's so important. And I think that's our job is to be emotionally and physically present for our kids and our wives. And, you know, if Kim worked, we would find a way to make it happen. But we decided collectively when Julia had her challenges that one of us needed to be home. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And if Kim wants to go back to work, by all means, she could go, but I would have to take a step back and be home for Julia. So, um, but luckily we've been able to, both be there along the way, um, which I, I agree with you. It's, I don't know if it's a cultural thing. You look outside the U.S., even taking vacation here sometimes is 
seen as like a sign of weakness or you're not working hard enough. It's like, <laughs> what, you're taking a vacation? What? You're, yeah. What? That's wrong with yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, and I, and I do think, though, that all of this with COVID and the pandemic has really forced people to re-examine what we're doing here, you know, and, mm -hmm. and shifting priorities and what matters and what's even possible. Like, do I really need to be in the office? Do I really? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting challenge for us also as a family, right? I'm here. I've been here every day. Kids wake <laughs> up. I'm around. I can't, I'm in my office. Right. Uh, and, it's interesting because Julia comes back from school now. She's back in school uh, physically five days a week. And her first question is, you done work? You're leaving your office? Because I'm in this little room. Right. And she knows when I'm in here, it's like if I'm in the office. And she respects it, but she she kind of craves more attention because mm. she knows I'm literally a few feet away. Right, right. Um, which is interesting. And yes. Tyler's, yeah, as I said earlier, could care less if I was here or not. Yeah, right. <laughs> he doesn't even know if you're there. So I'm sure. Yeah. 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 Um, I love it, man. Yo, I am so grateful for you taking some time out to, to get on the podcast and share some of your story, man. Um, it's just been really awesome to chat with you. I want to have you do a top three for us. So we're going to have Mark do a top three and uh, Mark, we'll figure out what the top three topic is here in just a moment. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. A tribe called Dad. This is the top three. It's the top three. It's the top three. This is the top three. Welcome back to A Tribe Called Dad. I've got my boy Mark here. And Mark was just talking earlier about um, Julia, his daughter Julia, who is 13, just learned how to ride a bike recently, which is awesome, fantastic. Awesome. And um, we've decided to put together a top three. This is, Mark, this is your top three around pieces of, pieces of advice for parents that have kids with special needs um, based on your own personal experiences. Number one. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I'm by no means an expert. It's only been 13 years and we're learning every day. But I think number one that we've learned to accept and embrace sort of the gift that she is to us and her her uniqueness right because mm. it's to me it's a uniqueness it's a gift mm -hmm. uh, every child is different the special needs kids have a gift and we've embraced that we're not embarrassed by it we're not in, embarrassed to, to let her be herself as i said earlier so it's really embracing what they bring to you as an individual and add to your life mm -hmm. and and finding the light in that gift so mm. you are a better person for it that's number one for sure for mm. me is really don't don't try to deny it or assume it's not there that you know they're they're perfect i think you got to be honest with yourself and embrace that gift i think yeah. that's very important yeah that's number, a great one number two number two i would say we talked about it is the balance if you if the child as a the special needs child as a sibling is finding that balance because so often you're going to be caught so emotionally involved with that child because they demand so much out of you physically and emotionally that you could forget. And what Kim and I have done, what I talked about earlier, is we find time to be with Tyler mm -hmm. as a couple, uh, you know, as mom and dad with Tyler, and then as mom and dad with Julia, myself with Tyler, she's with Julia, and vice versa, and then we're together as a group. But it's making sure you balance the time and everyone 
feels the same love, emotion, and attention that you have to pour into that special needs child that just requires more. Yeah. So finding that balance. Yeah, that's a great um, one. I think that's important. Number three. And then I, as you go through this process of education, therapies, you've got to be their voice. And you know as a parent what is right for your child. Do not let therapist A, teacher B, or your case manager or whoever's involved in your child's development dictate what is best for them. Go with what you, you feel is right, your gut, and you've got to be relentless in that pursuit mm. of being their voice in what's best for them. Uh, and, and do not let the system dictate where they go. Mm. Uh, and, and I'll give credit where credit Kim is an absolute, uh, she, she's a mover. She's a, she's a believer and she's Julia's advocate. Like I've never seen someone, mm. uh, which is natural as her mom, but she does not relent. She reads up on everything that's going on, right? everything, our rights and all that. So I would say, you know, uh, accept and embrace the gift, find balance and then be their voice mm. and never, never relent because they can express how they feel what they want and it's it's our job as their parents to give them the best opportunity to flourish wow wow that was that was excellent man and i feel like that top three whether you have a special needs child or not i feel like that top three translates over yeah. to just being a parent in general like wow I, great piece of I agree. advice yeah Amazing. no i agree i mean t you know i think ty can can communicate with us how he feels and what he wants and where he wants to go where with those special needs kids you've got to be their voice mm -hmm. and that voice is your how you feel your gut don't let anyone you know obviously take input from the pros but at the end of the day it's on us as right. parents right to make sure they're okay absolutely absolutely all right i've got a um this final piece for you gratitude what does that mean to you? Whatever initially just kind of comes to mind when I say the word gratitude. Appreciating what we have. Appreciating this conversation, this opportunity to be with you. Honestly, I'm grateful for it. Um, if, if my experience, my stories can help someone find something valuable, that's amazing. Um, but it, Honestly, to me, it's being grateful for what I have every day, especially now this year, realizing how so many people are affected across the country. I make sure that never one day will I not be grateful for what I have and appreciate the day. I think gratitude also means don't let one slip by. Don't let a day slip by. Um, you know, my son, as I said, 17, I hug him every morning. Yeah, I know he hates it. <laughs> I know he hates it, but I will not let a day slip by where I don't wake up, tell him I love him, and hug him. Mm. And the same goes before he goes to bed. Mm. And if his friends hear this, they'll be embarrassed, but I don't care. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to miss a day. Yeah. Uh, it's, it is it is what it is, and I think that's part of being grateful for what we have in the moment. Mm -hmm. Don't always look for that. What's next? Like Appreciate what we have today. And that's why I'm so grateful today to be on with you and, and share. Well, likewise, man, and I'm I'm so grateful of your time, um, your words, and um, the scenario that you just painted of these words helping somebody. I, I know it. I know it in my heart that this is going to help people that are out there, and there are going to be dads that resonate with this, and uh, dads and moms that resonate with this. So 
thank you so much for coming on. Um, God bless you and your family, man. And uh, I can't wait to talk to you more. We'll talk later. Absolutely. See Absolutely. you, Mark. Thank you also. Yes. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Have a great one, man. Thank you. Dads are better than moms. Dads are better than moms. Dads are better than mommy. Sorry. Uh, I am so grateful for each and every one of you for listening to this episode of A Tribe Called Dad. Just as a reminder, this episode is one of several that are part of a six-episode series uh, totaling five different interviews with a diverse group of dads. I want to encourage you to listen to the other episodes within this season. They're all super great and I'm very proud of what we were able to put together within this season. Um, I want to thank our entire team uh, who works super hard on the podcast. Big shout out to Marcy, shout out to 3D, um, Spider, myself. Uh, I'm going to shout myself out. Why not? I, I work hard on this, <laughs> on this podcast as well. Um, I do also want to send everybody to a tribe called dad.com. If you are not listening to this on the website, you can. Uh, and you can also find out a ton of other information uh, about some of our past episodes, some of the other dads who are part of the tribe. Shout out to everybody in the tribe. We've also got merch available on the site. So maybe for that dad that's in your life, you want to get them a mug, you want to get them a shirt, a hat. We got all of that up on tribecalleddad.com. And in fact, we actually have some merch specifically for the season of gratitude uh, that I think is really dope that you should check out and buy buy it all up it all helps uh it helps the cause it helps spread the awareness and in fact actually speaking of that if you have a dad in your life or you are a dad uh, and you would like to nominate a dad maybe even yourself you can do that on a tribe called dad.com as well and we are in the process of actually curating another season and there will be much more to come we are switching fully to this season format from here on out um, and so we're very excited about just all the future episodes and all the dads that we can bring together. Uh, last but not least, please subscribe to the podcast, rate and comment. It definitely helps our uh, reviews and rankings within the podcast store and helps spread just fatherhood in general. We need more resources for dads out there and we're just thankful and grateful that you've been a part of this and that you've listened to this episode. Also, if you want, share the podcast, share it with a fellow dad, with somebody who needs to hear this uh, or who, who you'd want to hear this, uh, have hear the episode. Uh, we're just grateful for all of you for tuning in and a share goes a long way. Um, in fact, actually a share means way more to us than any sort of financial contribution. So uh, thank you again for tuning in. I do want to end this all with this idea and this thought. In this season of gratitude and in this season that we are all living through right now, it is sometimes really difficult to be able to celebrate some of the wins and some of the small things in life and to really you know, look at what has gone on in our lives and to really just celebrate how wonderful this is that we are all still here, that we are all still connected, um, that we are all still waking up in the morning, breathing, and uh, that, that goes a long way. So um, I just want to leave you with that and leave you with this idea that the attitude of gratitude, this is a decision. 
This is something that you are in control of. You are in control of your focus. You are in control of your attitude. And that's pretty much the only thing that you have control of. You know that if you're a parent. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you next time.